0: So, are you DTFF?
1: Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge.
2: And welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. I hope your Memorial weekend was as good as mine. Nice and relaxing. Everyone got an extra day off of work, I hope. Uh, If you didn't, I'm sorry, but um, I did, so I'm feeling good about myself. Uh, We have got a great show tonight. One of my favorite episodes... um, Only because it's the NFC North Divisional Breakdown, and I get to actually talk about my Packers uh, with my full biases in full effect and not have to censor myself. So I'm really excited for that this evening. Uh, But we have uh, some special guests joining us to help break down this division. We Uh have got Felix Sharp representing the Lions. Hey, Felix, how are you doing?
0: Dustin and Jake, thank you for having me. Love talking about, well, love and hate talking the lines at the same time. So
2: (laughs) yeah. And then in the opposite corner, uh, representing the Vikings, we've got Evan Brown. Evan, thank you for joining
3: us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Excited to, uh, talk about the Vikings and to rag on the Packers, of course.
2: Of
1: course, <laughs> Dustin, you have that button handy, right? Where you can just like kick people out of the stream. Oh, yeah. You want. <laughs> if
2: there's ever an episode, it's going to happen. It'll be this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not represented here, by the way, is those stupid Bears fans. Uh, Bears. Team. Uh, because we have to have one one team that we can all rally around together to load. Mm-hmm. And it's that's gonna be right. The Bears. And, and why not the Bears? Let's be honest. It's just
3: low-hanging suit. That's right.
2: That's right. So um, before we get into the episode, why don't we um, let our guests here, Jake, take a moment just to tell us a little bit about themselves, where what they're up to, where we can find them, et cetera. So, uh, Felix, we'll start with you.
0: Uh, you can find me at Sharp Review on Twitter. I'm one of the six co-founders of CampusToCanton.com. If you don't know what a CampusToCanton league is, it's pretty much the deepest form of dynasty. Where you have uh, each owner has two teams, one N- uh, NFL team and one NCAA college team, and so your college team plays for a championship just as your NFL team. And after your the players on your your NCAA team, they graduate or they declare for the NFL draft, they're just filtered into your NFL team. So if you've ever played the NCAA video game and you uploaded a draft class onto Madden. You should be playing C two C. That's all a C two C league is. It's just that in a in a fantasy form. So that's uh that's where I'm at at Sharp Review. If you have any more questions about C two C leagues and want to join one,
2: oh, that is awesome. I may have to look into that a little bit more closely. Um, I've been you know vaguely familiar with the concept, but never looked into it uh, uh, too closely. And that sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. So uh, I'm gonna have to check that out. Only, it's the only format I play.
3: The only format I play.
2: Nice. It's a oh, good endorsement right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Evan, how about you?
3: Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter, FF Evolution, and I do most of my stuff with Dynasty Nerds at the moment. So I do some super flex ranking and write some articles and stuff like that there, and then just generally talk crap on Twitter about fantasy. So yeah, that's that's what I'm up to.
2: Nice. And then I didn't introduce my co-host because I am a terrible host myself. So uh, my co-host, Jake, <laughs> how are you doing this evening?
1: I, mean, I, guess, I guess fine. <laughs> if you're going to deign yourself to ask me, I guess I'm doing all right. No, I'm doing great, of course. This is the this is the ultimate of the division breakdowns, right mm-hmm. here. We don't. I know you said that like we don't have to apologize for being Packers. I don't feel like we ever do, but we at least have to acknowledge it before every good thing we say about the Packers. Whereas this episode, we can just get that out of the way up front, and then we're clear sailing the rest of the way.
2: Oh, I always feel like we're just low-key keeping a thumb on top of it. Just, I mean, a little bit sneaks out, uh, uh, but we really try to keep a thumb on it so we we don't go off off the rails too often. Um, But before we get into talking about these teams, um, we always talk about what we're drinking. Um, Felix, Evan, are either of you uh, enjoying a beverage this evening?
0: I'm in Kentucky, so I've got a bottle of... Uh, Woodford Straight Bourbon Whiskey. and yeah, I've got a glass
3: here
2: of, of, of Woodford. Nice, very nice. Lovely. Nice.
3: I um, I, I decided I had to class it up for you gentlemen tonight, so I've gone for some Cardhu Gold Reserve Single Malt Scotch. Wow. So, cheers. Nice. Mm-hmm.
1: Got a lot of whiskey happening no on kidding. this podcast. I'm not mad about it. No, I'm, I'm feeling left out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> Next time, Dustin, next time, retroactively in honor of the two of you, we will have some uh, some whiskey going forward here. <laughs> That's but right. tonight we don't have the whiskey. We have we have some beer, Dustin, though. Mm-hmm. But I am pretty excited about this one. This is one that you've provided. I don't know if you're more excited or scared about this one. I, I've am. i got trepidation. Let's put it that way. Uh, it was a toilet
2: paper word of the day, just so you know. Um, oh, nice. So <laughs> this is called Just Slip Away out of Anchorage Brewing Company. It's a sour ale mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. mango, tangerine, and guava coming in at a potent 8.5%. <laughs> and it was actually aged on Chardonnay barrels for 32 months. Um, feels so fancy it's it's fancy.
1: after that description, yeah, did you get fancy for this particular episode, Dustin No, time? it just happened that, that, that way. Oh, yeah, pinky out. I could do that <laughs> mm, I'm smelling the bouquet and it's so <laughs> oh, lovely.'s right, wine right. drinkers say right? That's, that's a, a wine thing
3: very a very oaky afterbirth
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's much classier than me Touché. i just, I was just gonna say it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's actually uh, not it actually too bad. It's really good. Um, yeah. it is, I'm, oh, not, like a, I'm not a on. huge sour uh, drink, sour beer drinker, so uh, I was a little worried about this, but I actually like this. Uh, not too bad. Maybe I'm turning the corner on sours. Who knows? so proud of you. So gosh dang proud. Mm-hmm. What do you think, All right, Jake? Well,
1: I love it, man. I, this is like, I, I'm not a big wine guy, so I don't like chardonnay. Mm-hmm. However, this just—it's more sour. It's more beer than wine, so I'm I'm on board with it. You're this. happy. And it's refreshing. Yeah, it's a little warm. I'm refreshed by it. <laughs> I feel like we also need to hurry up and get refreshed by our favorite segment of the show, which is the drunk trade of the week. Let's do it. Drunk 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 drum hammer drunk drum drunk 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 trade of the week. So this week's drunk trade is technically not a drunk trade, but it's close enough that I thought we could stretch (laughs) the parameters of this segment here for this one. So it comes from at Kuzma underscore Nick. He says, I set Saquon and the 2021-107 for J.K. Dobbins, Chris Carson, and Keenan Allen after being up for 48 straight hours this weekend, So it's a sleep-deprived, sleep-deprived sleep deprived trade drunk. of the week, not the drunk trade of the week. But looking at this from the dynasty perspective, uh, there's nothing in here for quarterbacks, so we don't need to dive into the whole super flex or not super flex thing. So gentlemen, to Nick, who sent away Saquon and the 107, are we feeling good about his sleep deprived return of Dobbins, Carson, and Allen? Felix, he should get, get on he board? He to get some more
0: sleep. He's got to get some more sleep. <laughs> because, uh, you send Saquon, who's potentially an RB1, even a game winner, and depending on your format, that 107 could be Travis Etienne. It could be Devontae Williams. Um, so that that's a lot to give up for J.K. Dobbins, who is in en- essence the RB2 on his own team because Lamar Jackson is going to be heavily involved in the running game and the running game at the goal line. Chris Carson, I love Chris Carson, but Chris Carson was a value at one point. When you're trading Saquon Barkley uh, and the 107, you're losing that equity. Um, so I-, I gotta say, I'm sorry, but this is definitely one that you wake up and
1: you wish you had back. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been there, Evan. Are you feeling uh, that sentiment?
3: It yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because, like, honestly, I love Keenan Allen. Like, I really do. I feel like he's
1: so disrespected
3: you know and um and i do think he's amazing but uh the value i just don't feel like is on that side of it especially in dynasty you know i mean chris carson i think should be great this year you know i really do i think he's going to be amazing um if he stays healthy which obviously is always an if um but next you know moving into next year and stuff like that i mean i just i see chris carson as a declining asset really um Keenan Allen still should be good for, you know, a couple more years at an elite level, which is great, but running backs are so hard to get, you know, stud running backs, you know, especially if it's if it is a super flex, I really don't like it because, you know, you're talking you are still getting potentially a Kyle Pitts, uh, a Najee Harris, even who knows, at the 107 in a 1 QB, it's a little bit better, but I still don't love it. Like I I love the talent of J.K. Dobbins, but I'm very similar to you know, Sharp here, I don't I don't love his situation. You know, I just feel like I've just been doing my projections there and I've got Lamar for another thousand yards, you know, rushing and whatever, eight or nine touchdowns or something. It's just it's it's tough to see the super upside with Dobbins there. But that that would be my take on it, you know. I don't I don't love it. I'm sorry.
1: We're we're forming a, a consensus here, Dustin. Are you falling in line with the consensus? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. At first blush I was like, Oh, this isn't that bad. You know, just quick look and I'm like the more I think about it, I'm like yeah, this isn't very good. Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you look at all the names on the other side, and you're like, oh, Chris Carson, J.K. Dobbins, Keenan. Like, they're all, you know, good players. And you're yeah. like, wow, Saquon in 107. Like, yeah, no. I'm, I'm I'm with our guests here. Not a good trade. Get more sleep, my friend. We've forgotten
0: <laughs> how good Saquon Barkley is. Mm-hmm. How good he is as a runner, that he can break off any run at any given time, and how good he is as a pass catcher. We haven't really seen... Him and Evan Ingram and Daniel Jones, all those guys healthy at the same time. Hopefully we'll see that this year. But we've really forgotten how good Saquon Barkley
1: Mm is. Absolutely. Fully agreed. That injury, recency bias, it's a a hell of a drug. So Mm -hmm. I think people just need to recalibrate a little bit this offseason. On Saquon, I'm I'm with you guys. I might be the biggest Chris Carson person out there now, but even me, uh, you know, for this year, I absolutely love him beyond that. Ah, hard to say. So yeah, I, I will fall in line here. I would say if you took away the 107, I could see this as being a very fair trade. You add the 107 on, I'm I'm not with it yeah. at all. So. Sorry, Nick. We uh, I appreciate your submission still, and I'm yeah. glad that you you led First us into don't this don't world. Drunk trade,
3: though, <laughs> you know. Like next time, hit up Jake or you know something before you do before you pull the trigger. <laughs> I don't that's know right. if
1: I would give that advice even because I may be drunk when he's asking for that advice. That is true. It could be and a double a drunk hole. trade,
3: but then he can always blame
1: you, which that's is great
3: because that's one of the keys to Dynasty is blame someone else for your <laughs> mistakes.
1: That's how you play the mm-hmm. game. And then we get to talk no about the trade on this episode uh, of a future episode. So win, win, win for everybody. <laughs> win, win, win. Yeah. I so love it. Jake, before you um, hit our ad read here
2: and we move on, I, I have something that's not on the show sheet that I have to ask you guys. Uh, I'm in a the surprise. Mi- surprise. Yes. I'm in the middle of a rookie draft here. And this is a one QB uh, PPR league, no super flex, anything like that. And someone named Jared Doakes went. At the one oh nine, I didn't even I know who
1: you running. Drunk, back? Drunk,
3: Drunk drafting?
2: I, I guess, and I was—I'm looking at the league chat, and I'm like, "There's been nothing in there." Like, oh my god, I hit the wrong button. Can we, you know, roll this back? That's not nothing. There, it's been complete silence, and I'm not that familiar with this guy, other than you know he was drafted by Miami super
1: Jared, late. Like mother in your league? I don't know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> It's about the only acceptable excuse for that. Look, even don't if you Jerry. I don't Dokes. even
3: think his mother would take him at one oh nine. I think that she would still be like this is a reach. I love you, but if you can't make it to the second, I'm out. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely
0: a reach. all uh, right no I mean, I, I mean that there's no there's no question, it's absolutely a reach. The funny thing is is that Cincinnati had um a even better running back last year that came out as an undrafted free agent and Michael Warren. That was very high on Michael Warren who didn't get drafted, ended up going to the Philadelphia Eagles, didn't make it out of training camp before he was cut. Now he's a watch out. That dokes pick is, I mean, based solely on potential opportunity for the Dolphins. Um, there's no, there's no circumstance under which he should be taken at the 109 or even in the second <laughs> or third I, round, I, 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 I'd argue. You know,
3: I've seen go undrafted in several of my rookie drafts or go in like the fifth, sixth round. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, there's no way, no. Just say no.
2: Yeah, the couple Here's other drafts I've been in, it's uh, he hasn't, he's been undrafted in there too. So when I saw the name pop up this early, I'm like, I had, I had to quick Google it. I'm like, is there some news that I don't know about? Did Miles Gaston like, you know, <laughs> blow out his Achilles or something? Like, what happened here? You know, and just nothing. I'm like, huh? I'm gonna have to bring this up on the show tonight because this is most curious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my supposition here, hardcore Miami fan, Waddle was off the board. He's like, no, I'm doing it. I'm not gonna risk. Maybe Any further drop there. It just maybe that button there. You All
2: right. Well, thank you guys for helping me clear that up and making me realize that I am not indeed crazy here and that was a not good pick. So
1: Not about this. You're not no. crazy about this, Dustin. No. All right. Well, you J- know what I am crazy about? I'm crazy about monkeyknifefight.com, Dustin. If mm-hmm. you are not using monkeyknifefight.com, you need to head on over there. I know it's not football season right now. But we get to talk about it, and it's on the horizon, and you should get some practice in about uh, placing these overs and unders at monkeyknifefight.com on the multitude of other sports that they offer. They probably have, like, baseball, basketball, maybe lacrosse is in there, some tennis action, whatever you want. Monkeyknifefight.com probably has it. And if you sign up using promo code DTFF, they will match your initial deposit up to $50. That's $50 in free money if you use promo code DTFF go to monkeyknifebite.com. I'm crazy about
2: it. Thank you for that, Jake. I love that enthusiasm. So we are going to get right into our divisional breakdown here. And just to preface this, because I've been given a hard time from Jake and or guests uh, previously, um, I go through the notable losses and notable additions. The word notable is in quotations, just so we know. Um, it it, they may be garbage players but it's just players that maybe have had fantasy relevance in the past i'm not saying they're notable now necessarily so uh when i say notable take it with a grain of salt so um let's start with uh felix your detroit lions here uh finished at 5 and 11 last year uh last in the division i'm sorry someone's got to finish last um big turnover here with the coaching staff uh Traded away Matthew Stafford, uh, got rid of Kenny Galladay, Carrie Ann Johnson's not on the team, uh, Muhammad Sanu. Uh, still, we don't know what's going to happen with Adrian Peterson, if they're going to bring him back, um, the outlaw Jesse James, and Danny Amendola. Uh, in that big trade with uh, Matthew Stafford, though, they, they brought in Jared Goff, uh, our beloved Jamal Williams, um, went over there we, we we love that mermaid uh brashad Perryman tyrell williams and darren Fells. and then in the draft uh in the fourth round amon ross saint brown and in the seventh jamar jefferson so felix um why don't you just give us a little overview of your lions here and kind of what your thoughts are fantasy wise for the team this upcoming season
0: yeah, well, the other notable loss is Matt Patricia, which is, which is a great loss for them. I mean, that guy was supposed to be a defensive guru coming over from New England and his first game, um, as head coach, he loses to Sam Darnold and gives up like 41 points to the Jets, uh, at, at, you know, prepare on Monday night football at home. Um, and, and so that was, the, that was, that was, uh, foreshadowing for me- what Matt Patricia's season was going to be like. Fantasy-wise, there are, well, well in super flex leagues, I like Jared Goffley. Um, I think that DeAndre Swift is a potential RB1. You look at what they did in the draft by bringing in Penny Sewell. It sounds like he's going to start on the right side. I don't know why you take a right tackle at number six overall. Whatever. He's a very, very good player, potentially using the word generational for Penny Sewell. But they've got um, uh, uh, Frank Ragnow at center, Taylor Decker at left tackle. And Penny Sewell at right tackle. They have nothing outside at the wide receiver position. Nothing. So this is going to be a team that's going to run the ball. Back in their offensive coordinator, it's Anthony Lynn, a former running back himself, back in 2015 for the Buffalo Bills. Um, he was a running back coach under Greg Roman, and they were first in the league in Russia. Now that was a team that had LaShawn McCoy, who had under a thousand, Carlos Williams, if you all remember that name. Then Tyrod Taylor added about you know, 600 yards rushing, but they were a team that primarily ran the ball. Um, in dynasty leagues, I do like Amon Ross, St. Brown, um, you know, probably second or third round. I don't think the, 21, the 2021 class is really that strong. So once you get mid-second round or what have you, I don't have a problem taking him. But it's going to be DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkins. Those are the primary assets for this team. I I'm not a particular fan of Jared Goff. I wanted the Lions to consider taking a quarterback. They passed on Justin Fields. But when I think about it, this is a team that doesn't have the infrastructure to support a quarterback. They don't have the skill position players. They don't even have the offensive coordinator or quarterback coach to really groom a young quarterback. Uh, Again, Anthony Lynn is their offensive coordinator. He's a former running back. Dan Campbell, he's a former tight end for an 0-16 team 0 and 16 Lions team back in 2008 and um their quarterback coach mark brunel is relatively new to coach mark brunel former pro bowl jacksonville jaguars quarterback but he doesn't have a, tra- a track record for um for developing quarterbacks so you know th- i i think that the lions are building the team the right way in that they're like okay we're going to start up front start up front with and A. Sewell, and then the second round, they got Levi Osarique uh, as a defensive tackle. They're, 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 they're I <laughs> I feel conflicted because I don't like some of the antics coming from the head coach, but I do like their personnel move. It shows that they're kind of building from the ground up, starting from the interior. But fantasy wise, the Lions are going to be, they should be a boring team except for those those two players, DeAndre Swift and, uh, and TJ Hawkins. I'm not bothered by Todd Gurley coming in and, you know, visiting the Lions. I'm not bothered by Jamal Williams. I think I think DeAndre Swift is going to touch the ball a lot more than he ever has at this point in his career, either at Georgia or in his first year in Detroit.
3: So DeAndre Swift is an RB1 for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Jake, uh, how do you handle that disrespect to Jamal Williams? I mean, that's, that's my initial question.
1: I let it slide right off of me like a good mermaid would. That's what I do. No disrespect
0: to Jamal Williams. I just think that, you know, the volume, there's nothing else for this Detroit offense. They're both going to get plenty of touches and targets because there's nothing else, there's nothing else there. Um, so maybe maybe Jamal Williams is a flex for you.
2: No, I, I was um, more upset about the disrespect for Geronimo Allison. Um, the, you know, oh, former wide receiver.
1: <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop it.
2: Former, stop it.
1: even as a Packers homer, that is just- former yeah, fantasy yeah.
2: darling. No, in all seriousness, though. Um, out outside of uh, Hawkinson, um, is there a wide receiver you would target on this team to be fi- fantasy I mean, viable?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's Quintez. I think he's going to start outside. Now, when I say fantasy viable, I mean you're talking about wide receiver four. Um, But he started games last year. It was kind of a a surprise uh, to start her as a fourth or fifth-round draft pick. I can't remember. He was one of Matt Waldman's favorite players. And if we remember correctly, if you remember at the Combine last year, they asked Jeff Okuda, who was the toughest player that he he faced, and he said Quintez Cephas. Now, Quintez Cephas is not exciting. He's not sexy. He's not athletic. But neither is anything else on the Detroit Lions wide receiver depth chart. So I'm going to take – Cephas, if there's, if there's a dart throw that I'll, that I'll take, it's going to be Cephas. Now, I say that Jared Goff was throwing two wide-open players in Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods getting schemed up by Sean McVay there in, in Los Angeles. That's not Quintez Cephas' game. So it's going to be a question as to whether or not Jared Goff is going to be willing to throw the ball up to him because he's more of a contested catch player. You know they got Ty- Tyrell Williams there. If he's he's going to be the field stretcher, Geronimo Allison might make the team, and then Jonathan Adams. If you're looking at if you're in a deep dynasty league, Jonathan Adams was a very productive player for um, uh, Arkansas State last year, uh, undrafted free agent to to the Detroit Lions. They also took Sage Wright. It's funny because they got similar players. They got all these kind of contested catch guys. Sage Wright is also a contested catch guy. So if you're in a deep deep dynasty league. You know, with 16 teams or so, and you want to make a last pick and take Jonathan Adams, I wouldn't argue with that either. But for the purposes of, of redraft, you know, late, if you want to take a dark throw at Quintus Cephas, that's what I'll bring. Mm. Mm-hmm. What about, what's your thought on Perriman? What's my thought on Paramount? I mean, we've had one good season in, in all of, you know, since per- Perriman came out of UCF, um, and the, and, um, that was due to a lot of injury. I think Fairman could be a potential field stretcher for that team. And if you think about the way they want to foot, play football,
1: pound the ball, pound the
0: ball, pound the ball, and then probably play action after that. After you get the defense, your safeties to come up in the box, play action after that. I think that you could play them in a best ball format, sure. Yeah. But I'm not sure that I'm, I'm not sure that I'm touching, uh, out, uh outside of that. Mm-hmm. No.
1: Yeah, and then Man, uh, well, I'm gonna go cut him from all my leagues now, Felix. Thanks for giving me that hope for this guy that I had on the end of all my benches.
0: This, this is a team that early on I thought they were primed to be the number one or number two pick in next year's draft, and they could be a consideration for either Sam Howell out of North Carolina or Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma. I think that they're too—they're probably too talented now. Um, uh, the Texans are going to get the number one pick. So you just, I feel like you can write that down. And, and the Texans are going to get the, uh, get the number one pick. Detroit is probably, I don't think they're going to finish with a winning record. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to draft. They're, they're going to have a high enough draft pick to take one of those top two guys in the 2022
1: class.
2: Do you, they, they have two first round picks, though, next year with that golf trade, correct? So, I mean, they have the ammunition to move up if, you know, it looks good. These quarterbacks I, look good. They
0: have they have a they have another first round pick in 2022 and 2023. Now those are the Rams' first round picks, and I think that those picks are going to be 29, 30, 31, 32, somewhere around there, because I think the Rams are the best team in the NFC if Matthew Stafford stays healthy. Um, I was say now you're not
1: just saying that because Matthew Stafford went over there, <laughs> are
0: we? I, no, I love me from Matthew Stafford, but if you look at that team from top to bottom and everything that they have. And you've got to remember, Aaron Donald was not healthy last year, so he wasn't the he wasn't able to be the disruptive force that he would normally be. You throw Matthew Stafford in there, and again, with Sean McVay calling the plays, and then they, they added, I mean, I know we're not talking about the Rams, but they added Tutu well and they already had Van Jefferson there. And Matthew Stafford is a much better uh, default passer than, than Jared Goff. I think that that's going to be a team that can beat you in a number of ways. And then Cam Akers is in his, in his second year. Um, rushing the ball, I I mean, I can't, I don't really see a weakness for for Here's what I actually wanted
1: to ask, because you did bring up the Rams, and because we were talking about DeAndre Swift and him being one of only two potentially fantasy viable guys, meaning that could reach the upper echelon. So it's DeAndre Swift, this is a question people are going to face in their drafts. You're on the board, DeAndre Swift is there, Cam Akers is there. Now, I want to go first to our... (laughs) unbiased guy in the room with Evan, and then I want to come back to you, Felix, but Evan, if you're facing that decision, DeAndre Swift or Cam Akers in your draft, do you have a firm preference right now?
3: That is such a tough question. I really love both of them. Um, To be honest, like I actually did like a I looked into it a little bit and did a thread recently on Cam Akers um, just because I was curious about McVay's usage of the running back and whether he does favor like a bell cow or whether he does like a running back by committee because I think there was a lot of arguments last year that maybe he wants a running back by committee. Maybe Daryl Henderson is going to be more involved, that sort of thing. And I went back and looked since he's taken over. It seems to me the stats would suggest that he really wants a bell count. He wants that one dude that gets like 70, 80% of the work, maybe with a compliment. And I feel like he wants that to be Cam Maker. So for me, honestly I really was really high on Swift and I still am pretty high on Swift especially with them bolstering the offensive line but Anthony Lynn freaks me out man like he really does like <laughs> as a coach like I, he's just like he's yeah. such a nice guy I feel like but he just does the most like douchebag things <laughs> as a coach like he just is like he insists on like you know the rookie earning his stripes or like you know he insists on you know just making it a committee or doing and he's just been big up like Jamal Williams and I, I love me some Jamal Williams but I would be giving Swift 90% of the carries, you know, if it was me and getting him involved in the passing game and stuff. And that's what I projected to happen. Um, But with that, if that keeps going, if that noise keeps going, and I'm not worried about, um, you know, Gurley coming in in the sense of the shell of, of Todd Gurley, but I'm worried that they keep bringing in more and more and more running backs because Anthony Lynn strikes me as the kind of guy who will make it a 33, 33, 33 split with people just because he can. Um, So for me, I think at the moment, the way things are trending, I would probably lean towards Cam Akers. But I I, I see the world where both are really, really exciting, really successful options.
1: Fair enough. So based Mm -hmm. primarily on coaching, almost, it seems like Akers gets the edge there. So, Felix, if you're in that same spot, that same position in the draft, you have the opportunity to take Cam Akers, who it does seem you're very high on, or DeAndre Swift is there, who's your preference?
0: Yeah, and I just went and looked at my rankings at campuscan.com and I do have, um, DeAndre Swift ranked higher at seven and Cam Akers at 10. However, you know, we know that running back points one, they can come from the offense that you're in as being a, a product of the system, so to speak. And then they also come from those receptions. And I don't, I, I don't see Anthony Lynn being that, um, a, some sort of modern offensive play caller. He strikes me as someone who's gonna, we're gonna put it in the running back belly, you know, 20 times <laughs> that sort of, of coach. Sure. Um, and so if, if I could see DeAndre Swift getting more carries, however, Cam Akers being used, uh, more versatilely versatile in the passing game and his fantasy value being, um, uh, him having more fantasy, fantasy value as a result of being used in passing.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that because this is the kind of thing where it's like, it's easy to talk up all of these running backs because they all can have these big jumps to happen in year two. But like the ADPs are so close right now. It's, it's very interesting. And J.K. Dobbins, who we talked about in that uh, sleep deprived trade earlier, is probably going to be nipping at their, <laughs> their heels by the time we get to uh, redraft season here.
2: Mm-hmm. And then just one more question for you, Felix here. Um, if if in redraft you're punting quarterback and you're going for the late round quarterback strategy here, is good a good can is Goff a good candidate for that? Or are you just no, out on him this season altogether?
0: I don't think so because I don't see him being um having a high pass volume volume at all. And he had he had absolutely nothing rushing the ball. I mean if you're gonna wait for quarterback, you know, you could go Zach Wilson. Who's, who's playing in a remnant of the wide uh, nine San Francisco offense, or you could go for Jameis Winston, who's probably going to you know throw the ball a lot for for the Saints. And by the time you do redraft, that quarterback situation is probably going to be figured out between the mm-hmm. and, and Taysom Hill. So you know if I'm going to wait at quarterback, give me someone with a higher ceiling. And I think that there are players that are going to have Jared Goff was fine in L.A., but in Detroit. You know, I could see him having you know eighteen touchdown passes and five interceptions or something like that. He's just I don't see the Lions throwing the ball a lot. If they're going to win games, it's going to be because they run the ball you know twenty five plus times a game. They milk the clock. They play good defense. That's how they're going to win the game. You got to think they've got their three coordinators are all former players: Dan Campbell, former tight end; Aaron Glenn, former cornerback; uh, and and then Anthony Lynn. You know, I, I can see those guys being the we're going to we're going to run the ball and play tough defense type of guy. Um, so so yeah, give me give me Jameis Winston, give me Zach Wilson, give me someone who I want more. Confident. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, gonna, Ryan Fitzpatrick, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. someone who I think is going to throw the ball a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I mean, Fitz, I think Fitzpatrick is going to be able to use Corn and, and, and Gibson uh, and dime Brown, uh, get use Gibson in the passing game. So that's a That's
3: a great call, Jake. Yeah, Fitzmagic or Brady, those are both great, great, great options if you're going to wait and fade the QB because nobody wants them. You know, they're all just the old dudes, but, like, they're going to ball out, you know, like Brady and Fitzmagic are both just going to ball out again this year, I think.
1: I'm
2: here for it. Well, let's make a smooth transition here. What about uh, Kirk here as a late-round QB?
3: Oh, man. Like (laughs) – Dude, I don't know if anybody else like you guys have to weigh in on this. I mean, I don't know if anybody else feels like this, but I I'm like the weird fan who like I fade my own players so bad. Like I always <laughs> am just like super sketch about like drafting almost any like there are exceptions, you know, like obviously Justin Jefferson I'm like absolutely high on and everything, but I, I've just never been I've never been able to get on board with Kirk Cousins. Like I he is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong, he is. And like statistically he was great last year and like he did really well for people. And I actually did have a league where I ended up having to play him, like I was forced into it because I had like uh Dak who went down and then I had Wentz who just completely crapped the bed. Um so I ended up like I was being forced to play him and it worked out really well for me. But ah, uh, I just He's no, he doesn't have the mobility. So he's not a Konami code QB. He's never going to give you the rushing upside. And he has those like three or four games a year where he just completely loses his mind and like throws four interceptions. And, you know, just, ah, it just, it does. It kills me. So I love to see it. (laughs) He probably is a fine late round, but like, I just, I can't do it unless I'm absolutely forced. And like, he's like the only good option. I just can't do it. You know? fair enough (laughs) now wait a minute can we talk about
1: one player who if he was a packer i would be taking with my first pick regardless i might still take him with my first pick regardless and i'm i'm not a vikings fan dalvin cook though does he not fit that like i will take him no matter what in first round or or are you Uh, preferring other running backs above him he, he does to some extent
3: but like honestly again with dalvin it was like I was so freaked out about the injuries you know what i mean i was like last year i didn't have any Dalvin anywhere i've got him in like one dynasty league you know um and it's just because i don't know if it's just because like being a vikings fan i mean honestly is so difficult like i just want to put that out there like people don't think about it because we're always like decent teams but we never ever ever finish the job like And right when you think that we're gonna finish the job, we completely just lose it at the (laughs) worst possible moments. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys remember the fifteen and one season that we had, but like Mm -hmm. I was absolutely convinced we were gonna win the Super Bowl that year. You know, I was absolutely like, Oh my gosh, I just I still have PTSD over that season and you know, it's so heartbreaking being a Vikings fan because like we're always good but never great. And then we always like either make it to the playoffs. Do an amazing first-round win, like the Minneapolis Miracle, you know, something like that, and then just completely fall apart the next game. And just – ah. Uh, so, yeah, no, Dalvin Cookie is great. He's awesome. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, it's always weird because if I've got, like, a top three or four pick, I always, like, go somewhere else with it. Or I end up then, like, with a later pick, and then he's gone already. So I hardly ever end up with him, you know. Like, it just – he's one of those guys. Like, I absolutely love him. But again, like I say, it's a weird thing. Like I think I'm the weirdo, but with my own team, I just freak out, and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. I can't like do it because I just, I don't know. It's so weird. You're splitting your eggs in your
1: baskets, (laughs) right? You're like like, saying, well, the other way. And like, if they lose in real life, then I'm happy that I don't have them maybe on my fantasy team because also they shat the bed in fantasy, and maybe you can compartmentalize a little bit. Yeah,
3: no, uh, I mean, Delman, I was like, honestly, he is like my, I think he's my RB two or three in Dynasty right now.
1: So I definitely do
3: respect him, and I think he's amazing. It's just so hard for me personally, like in my own teams, because I'm always like worried about the injury thing, or I'm worried about, you know, whatever. But no, he is, he is genuinely like amazing, and is, you know, in the passing game as well is brilliant. Because, like um, Felix was saying, I mean, one of my one of my recent articles, I did a little number study on like the last five years, Um, and in the last five years, the average RB1 has averaged like 80 targets a a season. So, like, to be an RB1, you need to be getting peppered with targets, and like, Dalvin definitely gets that, you know, for sure. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's true, and now there's no Kyle Rudolph there. Felix, what were you going to say there?
0: Can can I just throw in here, you you know, Evan, you're saying how hard it is to be a Vikings fan, 15-1 in season. It's been 10,376 days (laughs) since the Detroit Lions last won a playoff game um, oh my goodness oh my goodness to the day (laughs) it's like the Olympics of suffering
3: (laughs) it's like we've never we've, we've never won the Super Bowl and it's just so like I just you know what I was thinking about the other day I was like you know it's really depressing as a sports fan to think that I genuinely am convinced that the best I've ever I'll ever see the Vikings play was back when like Randy Moss and those guys were like tearing it up in the late 90s and like That's so heartbreaking to think that I've already peaked as like a Vikings
1: fan (laughs) because I just am
3: like, I love those Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss, Chris Carter teams. They were just, it was what a beautiful time, you know, like even though we always broke our hearts in the playoffs or up to the playoffs, but man, it was just great. Owning the Packers on Monday Night Football was amazing.
1: God, I'm so glad I barely paid attention to football back in those days. (laughs) Felix, I just want to say I have this image of you right now with a giant whiteboard in a room just ticking off days as you add to that tally of how many it's been since the last playoff one. And it's just like now got to be on all four walls like a psychopath
0: or something
1: like if you walked in and thought
0: that it would be like this This man is still a serial
1: killer. you've got like the photos of the people that can get you that playoff win also posted up there somewhere connected with yarn it's just probably a very uh let's say atmospheric scene <laughs> wherever that is it's like that gift
3: from uh sunny in philadelphia mm-hmm. it's like
1: Yeah, with all the The Pepe Sylvia situation we got
3: going on here
1: for sure, for sure.
2: Yeah, so, um, kind of skipped over it a little bit. Um, additions and losses here for for your Vikings here. Um, as as Jake mentioned, no more Kyle Rudolph, he went off to the Giants and then lost Mike Boone again, notable. Um, and then didn't really uh, bring anyone in in free agency. They were pretty quiet, no one of, of you know real fantasy relevance. Um, and then in the draft, they um, had an interesting draft as well. I would say, uh, third round yeah. took quarterback uh, Kellen Mond, um, who is you know completely different from what Kirk Cousins is. And then uh, yeah. running back in round four, and uh, I'll just say Keen, uh, and I won't butcher his last name. I'm sorry the there. Line that's better than I could have done. Thank you for that. Uh, and then in the fifth round, Amir Smith-Marset, and then uh, yeah. Zach Davidson, tight end, also in the fifth. So um, how do you feel about that draft?
3: I think it's like one of those drafts that is better for the NFL team than it is for your fantasy teams. You know, like it's. I think – You know, our offensive line was a concern last year, um, as it has been for several years. So I think, you know, we went got Christian Darasaw in the first round and then we got another um, what was his name from Ohio? Uh, We got him in the third round. So I think we were trying to bolster the offensive line, which obviously is a team that I would say primarily wants our identity to be the run game. Um, you know, I think that's really important. So I think that obviously is a good thing for Dalvin Cook and for the run game. Um, you know, so I think that's really good. I think that, you know, like I say, they did spend a lot of draft capital. I had, they, I believe they had 11 picks in this draft. I think they spent a lot of that draft capital on defense um, because our defense was pretty shocking last year. When you think about the fact that, you know, Zimmer is considered a primarily like defensive coach um and our defense a couple of years ago was stellar, you know, like that year that we did have the Minneapolis miracle and we looked like we were on our way to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, as a, a lot of it was on our defense and how good that was and how steady and and solid. So, I think that really helps that we've invested a lot in the defensive side cuz if our defense can, you know, obviously take that step up again, become more elite, especially in the secondary, it was just horrible last year. And missing out Daniel Hunter all last year didn't help, you know, for our pass rush and things like that. The defense can get stronger um it's interesting though because it's almost a double-edged sword really because if our defense does step up and our offensive line is better yes it helps Dalvin Cook it helps the run game but it could potentially hurt Thielen Jefferson you know those the pass catching weapons because they may be in a position where they don't need to pass as much they don't need to play catch up as much you know they're not in these um shootouts as much you know where so yeah for me I mean I I really like Kellen Mond. Actually, I was really, um, I was you know pretty excited by that pick. I because like you said, he offers a lot of different things that um, you know Cousins doesn't offer, and it was really interesting. I don't know if you guys. I'm sure you probably heard as well that there was rumors that they were actually they were going to take Justin Fields if he had fallen to them, and they were even considering trading up for him. Which again, as a Vikings fan, is so frustrating. Like, don't think about, don't talk about, just do it. You know, like I would have been ecstatic. Like, if we'd have traded up and got Justin Fields, oh my goodness, man. Like, I would have been – because that, to me, no offense, no harm to him. But, like, for me, Kirk Cousins is one of the – it sounds harsh, but it's, like, one of the problems. Like, I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a solid quarterback. But I don't see him as the kind of quarterback who's going to, like – he's not going to win you a Super Bowl, I don't believe. Unless you dropped him in the perfect situation with the perfect – you know, if you drop him into San Francisco, maybe he wins a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Because he is very accurate. Um, and he has some solid, you know, he is a solid passer. But, I mean, he's not that kind of quarterback that can, like, sink on his feet, run, make things happen. You know, if he starts getting pressured, he gets panicky. He gets, he gets nervous feet. He makes stupid he's Andy you know, Dalton throws. in
1: Minnesota, right? He's not the <laughs> yes. problem, but he's not the solution. He's Andy Dalton. Yes. He's mm-hmm. fine.
3: And I think that them drafting Mond is them kind of, like, in a way, sneakily sort of, like, admitting that they're, like, hoping to move on they're hoping to start making plans for the future i think by taking him in the third round they're not like hey you're on the hot seat here because obviously his cap hit is just too big i don't expect him going anywhere this year probably not even next year but i think they're starting to make plans they're starting to think about things that you know what what is life after cousins look like um so that was encouraging and i do think that honestly i do think emir smith Marset is really really good for us as a team but I also think he could be a sneaky, like fantasy value, especially if you play in any sort of deeper league or a league that, um, does return yards. Um, I know several mm-hmm. leagues I'm in, they have return yards and he's a real special teams ace. Like he was average he something like 28 yards a return or something like that for Iowa. Um, he's very fast and really good at like, you know, just making things happen. He's a little bit undersized. I think he's only about 180, 185 pounds, something like that. But. We have a really thin depth chart when it comes to our wide receivers. I mean, we've got Thielen and we've got Jefferson, but there's nobody really behind that. So I think he really has an a really if he has a good training camp, does well in preseason, I think he's got a really solid, you know, chance at nailing down that third, you know, third wide receiver. Um, and I think he could be, so I could, I think he could be a sneaky value and somebody that I'm definitely, I think there's upside there. And especially in this draft class, I think in third round, fourth round of your rookie draft, I'm pretty happy pulling the trigger and, and grabbing him, uh, especially because a lot of people seem to be fading him. Like he didn't get a lot of kind of notoriety because he came from Iowa, which is not, not the most prolific offense, you know, things like that. He suffered from nice. subpar quarterback play. Mm-hmm. So groundiest yeah, I mean, I mean, team
1: I mean, in college football
3: yeah. is the Iowa
1: Hawkeyes. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Yeah, so. No, definitely. I mean, I think you know, like you said, I think it's one of those better for the NFL um, than it is for fantasy. But I do think there's some interesting plays there. I do think, from what I've heard so far, um, you know, Herb Smith sounds like he's come back in amazing shape. He's really hit the ground running, and they're expecting a big leap from him this year. And you know, so I do think from from a tight end perspective, that's a really intriguing option. You know, for anybody, especially if you are looking more at redraft and stuff. I'm I'm more focused on fantasy myself, but. If you are looking to redraft, especially if you've got league mates that haven't really paying attention much, you know, they're probably not really thinking about it. But with Cal Rudolph gone, with there being such a thin depth chart and with Irv Smith, he was a pretty highly touted, you know, um, tight end coming in athletic and and just really got a lot. He's really good at, you know, contested catches and, and over the middle there and something like a good safety blanket for Kirk Cousins at times. I think that he could be a really solid, you know, if you're not going to go for one of the big three or four, he could be a really solid guy in the middle rounds there to take a swing at.
1: Nice. Yeah, the depth chart, like you say, it's nothing. It's Irv Smith and then it's Zach Davidson. So, any love for, for Conklin, that new
3: recruit? Tyler Conklin as well. Mm. He did start getting a little bit of play near the end of the season last year. So, he could be somebody to keep an eye on, especially in dynasty leagues if it's deeper rosters and things like that. But I would pretty, pretty much focus on Irv Smith, really, from a tight end perspective.
0: I, I really, I got to throw my hat in for Zach Davidson. He's been somebody that I've been shouting for since the fall. Central Missouri did not play this year, but he's a a Division II uh, tight end who averaged 19 yards a catch for just under uh, 900 yards his last season at Central Missouri, which I guess would have been the 2019 season. This is a player who tested, you know, around uh, nine in the RAD score that Kent Blatt uh, puts out there for you. Uh, Very athletic player, the requisite size, 6'6", 245, late. Bloomer. And then went to Central Missouri as a punter. Was actually a record-setting punter at Central Missouri uh, in his junior season. That he broke out for that type of player. And the Vikings are always going for these athletic guys. For so that type mm-hmm. of player to not play in 2020 from a Division two school and then get fifth-round draft capital. That's a I, that's a very big deal to me. That's a very that's a, a big deal to, for me for that type of player. Uh, if you. Search my name on Twitter and Zach Davidson. I've got videos talking about him. I also talked about him on the uh, Dynasty Nerds film room. I can't remember which one it was, but I got my you know my own little sleeper at the end of, you know, we're talking about Elijah Moore, a more prominent player. And then I got to talk about, you know, a, a, a sleeper. And Zach Davidson is a guy that I highlighted. And so I'm, you know, another guy, if you're in deep Dynasty League, at the end of your 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 four round draft, and you're in sixteen team lead. You want to take a shot on Zach Davidson? I would do
1: it. Sounds like maybe mm-hmm. I need to cut Rashad Perryman off these teams and add Zach Davidson <laughs> instead. So I have a plan of attack now. So I am I am on that. I am always smitten with those athletic tight ends that are are good enough to get, like you said, that draft capital where they aren't just. And they aren't just blocking tight ends who get high draft capital because that's sometimes a big, big misnomer there. So, uh, good call out there. I will, I'll be adding him to my radar for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, yeah, definitely. One more question here uh, about the Vikings. So, for redraft this year, based on ADP, who who would you rather have? Would you rather have Jefferson or Thielen?
3: Well, do you have the ADP there at the minute? I'm just curious where. I'm guessing Jefferson's quite a bit higher, is he?
1: Yeah, so uh, Justin Jefferson is currently going, and and I'm just pulling this off of FantasyData.com, by the way, Um, using their 2021 uh, PPR rankings. Justin Jefferson is wide receiver 10, whereas Adam Thielen is wide receiver 19. Ooh. Um... I mean
3: I would probably go if it's redraft I would probably go for Theon because I feel like you're drafting Jefferson pretty close to his ceiling there like you need him to return that to be not even a value but just to be worth that pick and while I don't think I'm not I'm not concerned that he's you know a one-hit wonder I'm not concerned about that I absolutely adore Justin Jefferson I think he'll be amazing this year but yeah, I think one of those things that in, in dynasty, absolutely, Jefferson Jefferson, 100%. But for redraft, I think Dylan, because, you know, 19th wide receiver, I mean, you're talking, you could just stacked up a couple of, you know, elite running backs, uh, maybe even one of the big tight ends, and then still get him as your first, you know, maybe even second wide receiver. Um, I think he's, you know, very, very very likely to be a low-end wide receiver one again this year you know he's just he is a really great receiver and I think that people I think we just get sort of like tired of the same we get like fatigue hearing the same names right. over and over again and we want the sexy new the shiny new toy and I get that especially as a dynasty guy like I'm I have to fight against that all the time <laughs> especially for redrafts I mean like Julio Thielen these guys are gonna smash you know and it's like
1: Keenan Allen it's the Keenan, Keenan Allen syndrome yeah, basically
3: Keenan Allen I mean he'll definitely be a wide receiver one but I guarantee you he's probably like wide receiver 15, 18, 23 something like that you know being drafted so yeah I would say for me like you know especially in redraft I probably smash a couple of like elite running backs and then grab you know Thielen as, if you're starting out with like Cam Akers Najee Harris and then getting Thielen as your wide receiver one in the third or fourth round I mean that's a beautiful start rather than Jefferson and you know somebody else and then having to go with like you know Rojo as your running back one or something like that you know that's <laughs> Uh, naked.
1: You didn't need to do it You didn't in. need to be that gross about it People might be eating while they're watching this podcast Evan, I love love if anyone God, had a drink in their mouth And they just spit it all over their computer <laughs> Dustin, what do you say we do rapid fire for the Bears? Can I be honest? Does anybody even care about the Bears at this point? Aren't they basically on their way to being kicked out of the NFL at this point? That's what I heard
2: I just, I heard things I Well, know. I mean, they did face finish second in the division last year so I mean, and they, yeah, they relative so, I mean, to what? I mean, second in what though? Like
1: <laughs> amounts of booze uh, given to the television sets while their games are on. What does that even mean, Dustin?
2: All right, so yeah, we we can get through the Bears fairly quickly here. So uh, again, notable losses. Uh, Mitch Trubisky and and Cordell Patterson brought in Andy Dalton. Uh, I'll pour one out for for that late round QB uh, stash Uh, Marquise Marquise Goodwin, Demir Brown and Damian Williams. And then as we already uh, alluded to and talked about Justin Fields, uh, went to Chicago here in the first round, and then didn't really take anyone fantasy relevant until the sixth round with Khalil Herbert and then Daz Newsome. Um, So the bears, does Justin Fields start right away or is Andy Dalton going to start the season and, Go ahead, Felix. And they, wish, they wish-wash? they Yeah, one of, one
0: of the things that I hated about that um, story coming out from Dan Arvlowski about Justin Fields, quote-unquote, not being a hard worker, is that I think for those in like, the Debbie community who follow college football understand it to be the exact opposite case. I mean, this is a guy who, was, who transferred from Georgia, came into Ohio State, came into Ohio State and took them to two straight um, uh, playoffs, um, and the team rallied around him. And and, I mean, and this is a kid that we've been tracking since high school because he was on Netflix's QB1. Um, I just don't. I actually don't see how Justin Fields doesn't win that job. He's more athletic than uh, Andy Dalton. I think that he's just. I think he's just a better player. um, Giving his rushing of. I mean, he's a tremendous passer. I think the thing that we misunderstand about Justin Fields is yes, he has all of that athleticism, but Justin Fields in his heart is a is truly a pocket passer. He, he's more on that end of the spectrum than he is on the Lamar Jackson end of the spectrum. He wants to throw the ball. And he has a tremendous arm. Um, and you have to have a tremendous arm for it to cut through the wind there in Chicago off the lake. So, uh, I, I just, I don't really see how Andy Dalton could start for them given, you know, what I perceive to be Justin, Justin Fields work ethic that matches his talent and ability. Um, I, I think that he's going to end up getting the starting job there.
3: I feel like that's what should happen. I feel I feel like I don't trust Nagy to not screw this up. So I feel like Dalton will probably start for the first like three or four games until he has like an absolute like nightmare on like prime time or something and then he'll get yanked for like Justin Field. Um, that's what I would see as happening. But I agree that like Field should start from day one. Field is phenomenal, you know, and his athleticism and, you know, just everything that he brings to the table. I think that that's what Chicago fans really want and that's what they need. They've been really struggling these last few years, you know, um, and I think he would just provide an amazing spark for that team. But again, I just personally am not convinced that Nagy is a good head coach. And that's just me, like I guy just from seeing his decision-making, seeing the way he's dealt with the quarterback situation, seeing the way he's dealt with um, just lots of weird, strange situations that he's, you know, play calling, the way he's decided to run things. I just, I'm not convinced that he is a great head coach. I feel like he could almost, you know, out of, you know, he he's said certain things already about Dalton. So I feel like he could just be like, oh, well, he is our starter for now and make fields earn it or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. So I think it is it's definitely only a matter of time before Field gets on there, um gets on there because he's he's definitely at this stage in the game he's a far superior talent you know
0: mhm
2: and I, I i love that Okay. I hate the pick of fields for the bears because I feel like they finally have a legitimate uh, quarterback under center. Um, but, (laughs) but, but for the team, like that is a very good pick. And I feel really good for Allen Robinson, who's finally going to have a good quarterback throwing to him. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he can actually do with a good quarterback considering he's had the likes of Trubisky and Bortles and Nick Foles throwing to him for years. So, uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, but do we see... Oh, I want to switch to the backfield here. So we all know Monty had that huge playoff run for everybody. Probably won some people some championships. Uh, But, you know, at least us deep in the fantasy community kind of saw that coming just with the schedule, how that was uh, laid out there at the end of the season for him. So do you see him producing at a... High RB2 level, low RB1 level this season. Um, and again, you know, he didn't have treat Cohen last year. He was out with that injury, um, which would eat into a, a fair amount of his production. And then they bring in a very capable back with Damian Williams, uh, who sat out last year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so so how do we see this backfield shaking
1: out this year? I mean, I... First...
3: I... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jake.
1: I just wanted to say one thing, which is that David Montgomery is better than people give him credit for, but he's still not good enough to be an RB one. So he's right in that like weird window, whereas he's he's not like going to threaten JK Dobbins as like into that tier or the K makers or whatever. But he's not terrible. That's all I want to say. Evan, go ahead.
3: No, I yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I think based on what he did last year, is probably his. You know, he's the lead back um, going into the season for sure, but. It's interesting because um obviously, you know, Damian Williams, you know, he might be, some people might think he's just the guy, but they obviously brought him in for a reason. Like we said, Trey Cohen has definitely, I mean, he was, an RB1 in PPR leagues, you know, one, a couple of years ago, um, you know, he could take away a lot of pass catching work potentially, which as we've talked about many times, you need those receptions to be an RB1. You need those targets. um, And also, I mean, the interesting thing is like, I really liked Khalil Herbert tape um, pre-draft. Like I really genuinely liked him and I was really going to keep an eye out for where he landed. I'm sad that he landed in, in this situation with such a messy kind of backfield and so much going on. But again, he's a pretty good player and you know does he siphon off a little bit of the work so it's one of those things where we want him to be we want monty to be like the 80 20 lead back but it could very well be that he's the 50 30 whatever 10 5 lead back you know and everybody's getting a bit of the pie and it becomes messy you know so i do think he'll be an rb2 100% just based on probably volume and stuff like that but i would be very skeptical that he's like an rb1 personally mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm you just gotta hope for Justin Fields if he if he gets the starting job, he can be the tide that raises all ships. Um, because we I would not expect David Montgomery to be used heavily in the passing game when you've got Tariq Cohen, when you got Damian Williams there. So you're talking about a player who's gonna be heavily touchdown dependent. I mean, you know how they say players can win you weeks? Well, David Montgomery, the way he's gonna be used, he can lose you weeks because he, you draft him as your R B two. And then he puts up, you know, five, 15 carries for 55 yards and you got a 5.5 uh, points there in your RB2 slot. So he feels dangerous. Like the only way I would take him is if I had a really strong wide receiver or, uh, you know, some really explosive players there. And I had a strong, you know, like Jonathan Taylor or Dalvin Cook or something like that as my RB1. And then, you know, pair pair that group with, with, with David Montgomery. I might feel okay about that, but I feel like if you've got David Montgomery as your RB two in any format, you're still trying to upgrade that position. I'm not sure where you would feel safe, you know, starting because RB twos. I mean, RB twos don't don't score the same way that RB ones do. So yeah, he he's. But do RB twos matter? Do they? Do they really? I mean,
1: I, I I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like from the tone of your voice that they do not. That's what I'm (laughs) surmising. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that to you, they do not matter. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say, so his ADP right now currently is RB19. At that threshold, does anybody here feel comfortable taking him, presumably there? Because like you're saying, he is your RB2, but he would be drafted as your low-end RB2. Is that comforting or no? Where is Chris Carson? Is Chris Carson being taken ahead or behind? I'm so happy that you brought his name up. He is going two <laughs> spots behind him, and I personally yeah. would yeah. rather have give Carson. Me, but yeah, give yeah. me Chris
3: Carson all day. Because you know that Carson's going to get all that work. You know what I mean? Like, as long as he's healthy, there's nobody to compete with him in that backfield. You know, for sure. I mean, Suck it, Rashad, Rashad Penny, Penny truthers. The, the three Rashad <laughs> Penny truthers that are left... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think he it's all the work there. So I would definitely rather have Carson personally. I think that's the problem with Monty is that with his ADP, it's like you've got to make a call on that. You know, you've got to make your call on whether you believe in him or not. If you believe in the talent and you believe in the fact that they've tried to bolster the offensive line a little bit, and if you think that Justin Fields comes in and creates some more space and things like that, then it could be a gamble worth taking. But it's one of those things I feel like they're, like, you know, Felix was saying, there's probably some really safer bets that you could be making for your RB2. I mean, he'd, be, he'd be a great RB3. I would love it if he could be your RB3, but if he's your RB2, I, like you said, I'm always going to be nervous probably. you know, mm-hmm.
2: Definitely. And then one more question here. Uh, we saw Cole Komet have kind of a mini breakout towards the end of the season where he was actually getting involved. And you could see he was the much better tight end on that team and much more productive uh, and actually gave that offense a little bit of a spark. I thought um, Jimmy Graham is still around. Do we see Komet actually taking over that role or is old man Jimmy Graham just going to chip away at his production and make Komet not very fantasy relevant on a week to week
3: basis? Are we talking redraft here or dynasty? So redraft, oh, redraft. Redraft. Yeah, Re- redraft? Redraft? Yeah,
2: redraft for this season.
3: <clears throat> redraft. I think for me, if I'm, if I'm, like I said, if I'm not, if I'm punting the position, I'd be happy to take a shot on Cole Komet, you know, because I think you can get him really late, you know, um, because I don't think, I mean, it's a, it's down to Nagy again, though, you know, I think if it's like he was a reasonable, responsible, sensible coach, I would say 100% Cole Komet takes over. He showed enough in his rookie year. A tight end is a very difficult position, you know, as a rookie to get you to grips with and to be able to make any kind of contribution is um, a success. So I would feel confident. But with Nagy, oh man, if, 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 um you know, if he gets cut, if Graham gets cut before the season or something or gets traded or whatever, then yeah, I would feel really good. But I still think if you're going late, late tight end, Komet would definitely be somebody that I would be, you know, feeling interested, you know, to take a shot on. Mm
2: hmm. What about Felix, you, Felix?
1: Would you rather have Cole Komet or Adam Troutman? I just want to throw that out there. Adam Troutman for the Saints or Komet for the Bears?
0: Yeah, I mean this is an offense question. Like which offense would I rather have? And I'm thinking of all right, would I rather have Matt Nagy with Justin Fields or Sean or uh Sean um I Payton. Mean, Sean Payton with, with Janus Winston or Taysom Hill. Um I think i I think it's about even, so I'd have to throw the value in there and I'm guessing that Cole Komet is being drafted ahead of um, Adam Troutman, and so if I'm going to wait that late for tight end, why not just take the better value and just take just take Troutman? He's going to be playing in a dome. Where Sean Payton, you know, you got to think that the the uh, NFC South is going to be higher scoring games with 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 not a lot of defense. So all those factors just lead me to believe. All right, let me take Troutman, but I don't feel great about it either of those options. <laughs> i enough. don't blame you Fair enough.
2: all right um any last thoughts about the bears or should we just move on and we say screw have, those guys we
3: have to we have to mention darnell mooney we have to to the I mooney. Love mooney absolutely love darnell mooney no i really genuinely am i'm really high on him i think especially like we talked about um with justin fields he's a very accurate deep ball passer And honestly, if you look back at um, Donald Mooney, he was open so much. (laughs) He just could not get a catchable ball. Um, He he is really, really, really... uh very exciting, I think, as, a, as an opportunity as a talent there, because especially if Justin Fields comes in, because like we said, he's a very accurate deep ball passer. So you've got Allen Robinson, so he's never going to get the primary, you know, cornerback. He's never going to get the shadow treatment. He's always going to be the second or the third, you know, option potentially, but I think he definitely is somebody that, you know, in, in redraft I'm, I'm interested in later on because I think he'll be a real value. I think you can get him mid-rounds, later rounds even, because especially any sort of casual fans, they probably aren't even thinking about him. They probably don't even know the name, you know. But honestly, he looked really good last year. He had some big games with Mitchell Trubisky, with Nick Bowles. And if they can get Justin Fields in there, especially if they've established some sort of run game, which obviously they did take it in, they take Kevin Jenkins. They've tried to bolster that line a bit. You know, if they can get the run game established, um, Alan Robinson's going to eat. If Cole Komet's stepping up a little bit, I think Darnell Mooney could be a terror for them, you know, down the field, stretching the field and getting to accurate passes from Justin Fields. Definitely somebody I'm really, really interested in, especially in dynasty, but even for redraft or best ball, 100%. I'm really interested in, in Darnell Mooney.
1: Mm-hmm. wide receiver 57 currently in ADP so absolutely oh, yeah. one of those late late round guys you mm-hmm. can get yeah, yeah he's he's one you're, of my favorite you're... targets in uh, best balls later on
2: i love snagging him in those double digit rounds
3: yeah you're uh, you're printing money there mhm
2: <laughs> all right and now um uh, we save the best for last and and we can spend the next hour talking about the packers here uh shows over <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> Let's care about those Jordan Love led passes. Let's go. Uh, uh, don't even put that uh, out there. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Shut fires. <laughs> Think <laughs> about it, Dustin. Yeah. So, um, uh yeah i guess we just rip off the band-aid i mean the packers didn't really make any additions free agency wise either losses or additions unless you count blake bortles as a notable addition I do not. no um we we did finally draft a wide receiver uh in the third round uh in amari rogers and then took kylan hill um in the seventh uh running back but um yeah jake i'll, I'll let you start um how oh, do you, how do you feel this uh, Roger's drama is going to play out?
1: I've I've been so uh, wishy-washy, so flip-floppy over this whole thing because every new bit of news—and I say news loosely, like your notable additions and distractions—it is news in quotes. But every time another blurb comes out, it's oh that guy is so comfortable looking; he could retire tomorrow and doesn't seem like he'd have a care in the world. Then I keep hearing these things from former teammates of his. A.J. Hawk is a big one. He's, of course, on the uh, uh, the Pat show. Uh, the Pat, what the hell? Oh, my McAfee. God, I feel so terrible. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hope Pat's not watching. Uh, the Pat McAfee show, A.J. Hawk is <laughs> always, always on there talking about how reasonable uh, you know, he is and how this is basically a fixable situation. The word fixable keeps coming up with him, with former fullback John Kuhn, always getting interviewed. I think, I think it can be fixed. I think he comes back. I think it's going to be high drama for another month before he does, but I think he comes back. And uh, I think it's for one year. I literally think it's for this final farewell year. So if you have him in Dynasty, um, I think you're actually hoping that he gets traded to Denver because that might be more of a long-term solution than him sticking around in Green Bay personally. I, I think that you are not banking on him retiring in Green Bay. But I think one more season is very much in the cards. Uh, I just don't want to see Jordan Love yet. Because I've heard terrible things about Jordan Love coming out from the Packers' camp, by the way, which instills some confidence in that first-round draft pick. <laughs> A full year now, and they're like, well, we don't think he's quite ready. Uh, so that's, that gives you some pause.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Felix, are you are going to say something know. on this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: listen, I think that Aaron Rodgers is, is going to play for Green Bay or play for no one this year, And I also think that he is not going to sit out on his teammates. He might not like the front office, but he's not going to. He has a good relationship with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. I don't think that he's going to sit out on those guys. So best case scenario for the drama is that those guys stage a coup and they all sit out. But I don't think that there's any chance that you get to week one and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones are suiting up and Aaron Rodgers is there and they're going to go to bat with with Jordan Love. I just don't
3: see that happen. Agreed.
1: That's great. And I do want to point out, too, it's... Blake the Snake. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Evan.
3: It's just because it's going to be Blake the Snake, I was saying.
1: (laughs) God damn it. I wish I hadn't called you back into this conversation. (laughs) 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 I do have to say, the whole offseason, of course, Rogers has not shown up, and then a bunch of wide receivers did not show up. Basically, the top five off the depth chart uh, didn't show up to voluntary training camp. And and I don't think that's as big of a deal as some folks are making it out to be. But I will say, I mean, Dustin, I don't know how nervous you would be about the Blake the Snake led Packers in 2021. It would tank everybody's value for me, except for maybe ironically, AJ Dillon. I think that is the best case scenario for AJ Dillon, uh, because I think they would actually lean on him so much more I don't, I would hate it for literally every other player uh, in terms of fantasy, but I could see that uh, him making a path to relevance based off of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Are you nervous that he's going to sit out, Dustin?
2: No, I don't think he's going to sit out. Um, At least this season, uh, he'll play for the Packers. There's part of me that feels like we've made it to the NFC Championship game two years in a row now. Had a very good record. Uh, he seems to fit very well in this Lafleur-led offense. Um, you know, we saw just the fireworks this last season, and I don't know if he's one of those players that is concerned about his legacy in the league or wants to have multiple Super Bowl rings. I know that's always brought up about Rodgers. Well, he only has the one ring. Uh, you know, he's, he's considered one of the great quarterbacks, but he's only got the one ring. So I don't know if if that drives him enough where he wants to come back being as close as the Packers have been the last couple of years to try to make that push and win that, win at least one more Super Bowl. Um So I think this year um, he'll, he'll be there for sure. But yeah, outside of this year,
1: uh, I'm a little less confident. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Now I think, all right, so let's just say hypothetically Rogers is starting in 2021, which I think there's a somewhat of a consensus here that that would be the case. So Rogers starts but obviously Devontae Adams, I fully maintain top three option without a doubt. It wouldn't even cross my mind. I don't think it's worth spending time on him, but it's just the matter of does anybody else in that wide receiver core matter to anybody? Whether whether it is the new guy, Amari Rogers, or whether it's somebody else. Evan, do you have a stance on somebody from the wide receiver stepping up and out?
3: Yeah, if. Rodgers, you know, does come back in his play. And then I am a big, big fan of the Rodgers to Rodgers connection. Um, I think Amari Rogers is a great addition for your guys' wide receiver room. I think he just brings something that you guys don't have currently. Um, you know, I think I love the, you know, sort of almost – that that sense that he can almost be like that gadget player but he's not a gadget player if you know what I mean like he can be that running back kind of hybrid wide receiver um you know I just think that uh, you know you got Devonte Adams who's been such a beast but then everyone else has been really hit or miss and really just let you down at times and so to have a solid second option would be incredible and I just think I really liked Amari Rogers film and I was really intrigued by him anyways and I've been really excited that there's been all this Aaron Rodgers drama because it's meant that I can get him in, like, the second and third rounds. Whereas I think if Rodgers was here 100%, I feel like Amari Rodgers would have been a much higher, like, you know, because we've all been screaming out for, like, Green Bay to get another wide receiver for the last couple of years. Yeah, sure. So I feel like he would be, like, a high second-round pick. If um if Aaron Rodgers was locked and loaded and you know if there'd been some buzz at training camp or something about him or whatever, but I think because of the the nebulous sort of situation and the fear of Blake the Snake, I think everybody's been fading him a bit too much. Um, so I'm really excited about Omari Rogers personally. Like if Aaron Rodgers does come back, I mean Rodgers to Rodgers, what's not to love?
1: Mm-hmm. We got it for a brief spell with Aaron Rodgers to Richard Rodgers at tight end. I feel like yeah, that should be cooked back up again for sure. Yeah. Felix, I don't know if you have a strong feeling about any of these guys beyond Devontae Adams. What I do want to ask is if you had to go with a Packers receiver outside of Devontae or any single one of the Detroit wide receivers, what would you do there?
0: That is a good question Um, because um, Amari (laughs) Rodgers, I don't want to say he's a black box, but he essentially is a black box at the NFL level. and We don't know... How Aaron Rodgers is going to use him? I got to assume that he's going to be a block guy, and you're going to have Valdez, Scantling, uh, and and Adams on the outside. I've Loved Equinamia, Saint Brown coming out uh, coming out, but apparently their whole "we don't stretch" thing is turned off the NFL because we even saw Amon Amon Ross Saint Brown fall. In the um, Green Bay definitely has the better offense, better. Uh, passing offense and more, more passing volume, so I think I have to defer to Green Bay, and it's just a matter of whether or not there's going to be Rodgers or Gant. Now I don't think that we're going to going to see Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, put it all together. We've seen it in spurts, and We've seen him drop touchdown passes and catch long ones in the same game. I still, I That's still like him at his, you know, at his at his cost, a draft capital wise but. Where was Amari Rogers taken in the third? Was he a third round pick? Yeah, third round he was pick? Third, third round. round. Yeah,
3: they traded. All I together. think I'm going to say I'm going. I think
0: I'm going to say Amari Rogers because there is not another player um, with his skill set on that team. I don't think that there's. You know, I, I think that he's go, going to play the slot, or either he or um, uh, the guy mm-hmm. out of Iowa State. What well,
1: Lazard. Alan Lazard.
0: Yeah. Alan Alan Lazard. Yeah. Um, but there. You know, uh, you know Rodgers before he was injured was kind of a yak guy that you could throw the ball to in the backfield, at least Clemson did. And I don't know that there is a similar player on that team. Um, so give me, give me the black box
1: that is Amari Rodgers, but I don't love these options. Hero. <laughs> I'm sorry to do That's that fair. to you. I do feel like I set you up though, because I knew whatever your answer was, we were going to be happy with it as Packers fans <laughs> and as Badgers homers, because I know Quintez c is <laughs> on your radar as the top uh, Lions guy. So I figured either way it was win-win for all of us involved here. Uh, mm-hmm. But to your, both of yours points about Amari Rogers, I do like that. We got that kind of um, maybe Debo Samuel ish uh, yeah. receiver on our team. Once, um, you know, Tavon Austin came over for like a week uh last year and and that was fun, but I think it's time for some new blood in that kind of role, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely.
3: Are you are we all are we all disrespecting uh Devin Bunches here?
1: Yes, yes, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, without question.
2: I mean, I I know he sat out because of COVID last year and it wasn't an, an injury related, um, you know, missing time or anything, but. Uh, uh, my my days of believing in in Funchess of doing anything um, are long past. I mean, he'll probably make some <laughs> plays here and there. He'll be like an MVS where he'll make some some splash plays, but I don't think it'll be anything on a consistent basis.
3: No, I'd rather draft Blake portals.
1: God, Ooh. I just if we could. <laughs> If we could mute your mic every time that you start to say Blake, that would be terrific for me. I do want to ask. Like I'm swearing, like if I could just beep. Oh, <laughs> really? That's what it feels like. I do, <laughs> do want to ask, though. It feels like this is kind of the tight end episode, honestly. Mm-hmm. But so it, it is gross. and We all know that it's a dumpster fire after a certain point. That line may be a little bit different for everybody, whether it's the top five, the top six, the top eight, whatever tight ends. Maybe not even that. But we're always scrambling for relevant tight end guys. So Big Bob Tunyon came out of nowhere last year, of course. A lot of that was tight end dependent. He scored a lot of touchdowns. But do we have any belief that Tunyon can come close to the same production that he had last year? Let's say, would you rather take Tunyon, who's going to be going a little bit earlier in drafts, or wait to take that Colmette, Adam Troutman, whatever, maybe even Smith, you know, later-ish guy?
0: But Tunyon is going late himself. So, um, you know, I'll take the tight end connected to the better offense. So at that point, especially in redraft, I don't have a problem taking Tunyon, but I think that you, he's a player that you want to pair with someone else. You're going to take two, two tight ends and hopefully you catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe it's Herb Smith. Maybe it's another player. Maybe it's Johnny Smith with New England. Um, you know, catch, catch lightning in a bottle. You get a, a tight end that finishes as a tight end one. But, you know, I'm so disinterested with, with tight ends. They all, seem, they all seem to be the same.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Very true.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm, ex- I'm expecting uh, a regression from Tanya in this year just based on the, the touchdowns because um, he didn't have a ton of yards. But, I mean, just all those TDs he was catching, I don't expect that. I think the offense as a whole is probably going to take a little bit of a step back in the touchdown department this year. They'll still be very prolific because uh, all the pieces are still there. But um, I – they they just won't be on fire like they were the entire season they, this last year. So, um, one last question here: um, AJ Dillon, the Quad Man himself, uh, do we see him eating into um, Aaron Jones' production, or will he just really step into that uh, Jamal Williams role and and just he'll he'll get his touches every game? But um, Aaron Jones will still be the guy and still be an RB one. That one.
1: <laughs> the latter apparently yes. the, I will take with. option
3: B Please and thank you I do think it matters a little bit Whether Aaron Rodgers is back in the picture In this scenario But in general I tend to believe That they wouldn't have paid Aaron Jones They wouldn't have brought him back if they were planning on just giving Dylan loads of work and making him the dude, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for me, I think he becomes the Jamal Williams sort of character. Um, he might be annoying at times, you know, he might have a big game, a splash team now and then and take away from Aaron Jones. But in general, I, Aaron Jones is a stud. He's locked and loaded. I way, way I'm not I'm not I'm definitely not gonna be like, Oh, I'm gonna pass on Aaron Jones so I can grab A. J. Dillon in a couple rounds. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> and Jamal Williams was a plus asset in the
0: passing game. AJ Dillon is not, and that's where Aaron Jones is the value volume from. So where you might see A. J. Dillon brought in on the goal line a short yardage or whatever, there's not another you know, there's no Jamal Williams who can be used on third down and vertically in the in the passing game. Uh, anymore that threat isn't there. So you could see and it did just re sign him Evan as you mentioned. You could see Aaron Jones have really another splash year given that all of his when he when Aaron Jones is good, it's because they're throwing him those wheel routes, they're lining them up, up up out wide like they did against Kansas City and throwing to him
3: uh throwing slant goes to him because that's the type of, of player that he is. He's so good. like. In all seriousness, I mean, if you can, you know, even with your Packers bias fully intact, would you say that Aaron Jones is probably the most disrespected, like running back one, like at the moment? I feel like, I feel like everyone fades him, and everybody like hates on him, and everybody sort of like discounts him. I I don't know. It just feels like for what he is and what he actually produces, like you'd think he was like RB eighteen last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone sure. just it expects happens that. every year.
2: Yeah, I think everyone just expects the production to drop off, Um, and and probably because he's a, a later round pick. You know, he wasn't a first, second round, third round pick. He was, what, in the fifth round, I believe? Uh, either the fourth or fifth round, fourth or fifth, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he didn't have a ton of draft capital behind him. So I feel like that's why people kind of discount him. It's like, well, he was a late round pick and you know, he's, it was just kind of a flash in the pan. And, um, I think he's proved that otherwise and the Packers paid him that way too. So yeah, I love it. So, um, Jake, do you have any last thought about our Packers here before we, um,
1: get out of here this evening? I don't. I'm just proud of all of us for sitting here talking this out like true gentlemen that we are. <laughs> and I'm excited for the 2021 season.
2: Yeah, me too. All right. So um, I'll have you, our, our guests here one more time. Tell us um, anything you want to tell us where you, where we can find you, uh, things you do like that before we let you go. And um, also want, to, want you to um, tell us how these teams are going to finish in the division first to worst. So uh, Felix, why don't you
0: uh, start us off here? Well, Detroit is going to fish last. Um, um, okay, saying that. Um, and I, I suck at introductions because I always forget something. I have a weekly podcast, the Debbie Debate, uh, Wednesday nights is live and then the, the podcast is available the next day. We talk about college football, primarily Debbie, college football, campus can. Um, so I, gentlemen, thank you for having me on, uh, Debbie Debate Wednesday nights. Really good show. com sharp review. Those were, that is where you can find me all right and evan
1: yeah
3: um like i said on twitter at Lucian, and uh, most of my content at the moment is just through dynasty nerd so i do super flex rankings and stuff for them and also um, write articles and stuff like that so yeah thank you guys so much really really good fun and it's been a pleasure coming on this prestigious podcast an
1: honor all right and jake where can folks find you First of all, he said honor and prestigious. I feel like that should be left as a five star review. Cough, cough, listeners. <laughs> God damn it. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Robridge.
2: And you can find our podcast at drinking fantasy and you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.